Hello everyone welcome to my show Career Startup Leadership Podcast a podcast to spotlight world class asian entrepreneurs c suite leaders innovators and allies who provide candid insights from the personal journey to inspire you and this is your host Priyanka Komla joining you on our 87th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast and a quick reminder to follow us on LinkedIn by following me Priyanka Komla and a Career Startup Leadership Podcast page to receive your LinkedIn live notifications and if you are watching this on youtube do give us a subscribe and a like without further ado i'm quite sure you're super excited to learn about my guest for today and i'm going to unveil my special guest shruti vanda gandhi who's joining us from san francisco hi shruti welcome to the show I'm to share my journey here for everyone that's uh, that finds it useful Thank you Shruti and to our listeners Shruti is an amazing Asian woman in the venture capital field I see her as a trailblazer and I thought she's such a wonderful person with an impressive portfolio of work and we got to bring her onto the show so we feel inspired to understand the behind the scenes aspects of being a venture capitalist Shruti super honored to have you on the show and thank you for coming along Thanks again excited to dig in Awesome so to our listeners Shruti Gandhi is an engineer turned founder and investor with seven exits to companies such as Apple, PayPal, ServiceNow and the We Company. She's invested in 45 companies at Ari Ventures across two funds. Prior to Ari, she invested for True Ventures and Samsung Next Fund. She's a computer science professor at Columbia University as well and such an impressive person to get to know. So we have special office hours that shruti is going to provide to some of our lucky live listeners so feel free to continue tuning into the episode and we'll provide a link towards the end of the episode where you get a chance to meet shruti offline and to our live listeners do drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from so we get a chance to acknowledge you as well alright shruti i'm going to get started with your journey from mumbai all the way to new york when you came here for your bachelor's program talk to us about it when you look back at the memory lane how does it feel yeah i'm just looking back at the time 20 years ago uh <coughs> excuse me i just had a cough all right we're going to give shruti a quick moment hey i I was a different person. <laughs> I remember um getting on that airplane and unclear what was going to happen to me in my life. Um I'd worked so hard, you know, everyone in India works really hard until you know for all the all the schooling and grades and so forth. But then I had no idea when I came here what was in you know what was my future going to be like. Um what was I going to study? I I had no clue. Um I didn't even have admissions in college or anything. I hadn't, I hadn't given my SATs, so it was clearly a blank slate. Um, and so, looking back now, yeah, I would have never have thought I would have ended up in this journey here, starting my own fund, starting my own fund um, 20 years later, and running and doing something that maybe 0.1% of people in the world do. Um, so, super feel super lucky to be able to do that. that's very impressive and let's talk about your career journey you know from an engineer at IBM to where you are today where you pivoted into a startup founder to a venture capitalist how did you handle all these different pivots in life given that you started with an empty slate when you came to the us 
I think the journey has been um, pretty much uh, based on what my ethos is, which is I follow um, challenges and problem solving at the time of, of my life, wherever I am. So um, the first problem I had to solve was um, make money. And uh, that was as straightforward as how do I make money so I can do all the other things I want to do. Um, and that was what led me into engineering. Um, <laughs> I was dreaming of many other professions, but I said, if I go into this, it's 90, it was, this was 1999. It was really hot to be an engineer and to actually start a company and tech was really booming. So I obviously wanted to be in tech at that time. Um, so as an engineer, um, I started my career again to solve different challenges of, I was a backend engineer, then I wanted to be an applications engineer. I want, so I wanted to work with data. Um, so I kept taking on more challenges of what is up ahead in the world of tech and generally what I should be really keeping up with. So that was the challenge part. So that I did that engineering role for 10 years and I worked on many different problems like that and worked um, in, in, in some amazing groups uh, like IBM, such as yourself, um, like that. And then um, the challenge next to that, I always wanted to start a company. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but the challenge was, what do I do to get there? So that's, so dove into that um, and wanted to learn all about starting a company. As I did that, I started learning about the world of venture capital, um, which is very different. Um, so there's two types of entrepreneurs. One is the one, the, the, the entrepreneurial journey that I was more aware of in my family, which was not venture backed. Um, and people tend to call it lifestyle business. I don't call it a lifestyle business. It's just a very different kind of business. Um, but then the, the second category that I work in is venture capital. And I got really curious being in tech um, to explore how venture backed businesses work. Um, and so I wanted to reverse engineer that. So that led me into my third journey in life, the pip, as you call it, pivot, which was let's figure out the venture capital journey. So the next time I go start a company, um, the the growth, the velocity, everything you need to um, run that kind of a business is all intuitive from day one. So as I dove into the venture capital journey, I've now worked at a few funds and we can go more into that um, later, but that's how I handled our pivots, if you will, if you want to call it. When you handle these pivots, Shruti, was there anything that was holding you back? Because every field that you enter in was very new to you, right? And you had no experience when you were trying to reverse engineer venture capitalist, uh, uh, you know, that, that kind of a business. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Obviously, it was not only new. Uh, I Now that I look back, it's the every profession was harder and harder to get into, basically. So people talk about engineering. There's very few engineers in the world, but then very few women engineers in the world. Um, and then on top of that, you go start a company. There are so few female founders out there today. And then you go top, talk about venture capital. There are such few, uh, you know, women in, in, the, in the VC industry. But on top of that, very few women run funds. Um, so it's, it's crazy that every job I take or, or 
career I just had to get into, it's not just different, but it's harder and harder. The statistical, the statistics are just like harder and harder in terms of what what the the situation is in the market today. So, what stopped me? Um, I, I don't know. I like challenges. I think my the way I think about this is I work backwards. Um, so if I feel like I want to go solve some problem, I don't think about what I can or cannot have today to make that happen. I think about my the risk appetite I can take today. So to give you a clear example, when I went into venture, um, to, sorry, when I went into to start my own venture firm about five years ago, the calculation was our state forward. So what do I need today to survive? And what is my runway, my personal runway? And how will I feel if I dedicate a few years giving up this runway, right? It's basically dipping into your, your savings or whatever you, right? Like that, because you have to pay your rent, you have to pay, do all the other, other, other good stuff. Um, and will I feel comfortable failing in two or three years? Because I always give myself a deadline. Um, for, for people like me, that that like challenges, you know, you have to give a deadline. Otherwise, we just can't keep going um, and and digging and digging without, you know, there's no end to that. So, in two three years, if I fail, failure, you have to define what failure would would mean to me. Um, should I have kept going, and and will I regret not have having any success in two to three years? Um, so that that was basically the calculation on my end and will and the biggest thing that that based on that i concluded is will i regret not doing this ever in my life so having said that so the opportunity cost of not doing it versus doing it is is the way to look at it and yeah so i guess long way of answering your question is yes you always have to acquire some skills but isn't that what life is about? Learning something new and staying staying fresh. And we're all trying to upskill and reskill all the time. Um, so this to me did not feel anything different than just a new challenge that my brain needs to learn how to tackle. Um, and yeah, and so here I am. And uh, you know, we can dive more into how I do all those things. But this is this is. Obviously, two, three years now I've started five years ago and it's been more than two, three years. And I feel like I've achieved my goals so far. So I plan on continuing in this journey for a long time. But uh, it's not, it's never easy. Very true. And the fun fact about this entire journey, the way you've portrayed it is, you know, you love challenges and I love your attitude and the logical way in which you process things, taking emotions out of the equation. How do you do that? I'm just curious. You don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a, there is generally um, two or three states that humans function in. Um, the state I'm on right now on the podcast is a state that is a green state, which is calm and great, and everything sounds nice because you're asking me great questions. Thank you. Um, but oftentimes, you know, humans tend to be in the state of yellow or red um which is a fight or flight and then basically reactive around that which is a red state and the thing you have to deal with 
is when you put yourself into these uncomfortable situations, what do you do? And how do you, can you stay in green or do you go into yellow or red? And that is what you have to constantly remind yourself that if you stay, if you cannot get out of yellow or, and red and go into green, then you're not gonna succeed because you're working from a place of fear and insecurities um, and things like that. But if you can stay in green, obviously we are all fluctuating. It's not a constant green state. But if you can stay for, mo the, for the most part, especially doing difficult things and come back to your green resting space, you know, phase um, in the day, and you have to do a lot of things to make that happen, right? Like it just doesn't just magically happen. So if you can come back, if you get a rejection, but you can come back to green despite the rejection after you can after you handle after you handle the rejection the, the way you need to handle, that that is where I feel that you can say you you can you can take on hard things in life and you're prepared for the next hard thing. So how do I do this? Um, you know, rejections come to me every day um it's it's in various forms while well i'm personally fundraising from lps or i'm trying to work with certain kind of founders right it's never ending and this is just what people who are trying to um grow every day have to face some sort of rejection including rejection from themselves right um and so it's that ability to then say I'm gonna be. Able, I'm gonna face this. What am I gonna do when I am in that situation? And how do I get back to my green state so I can go on to the next and the next problem? Right, um, is the biggest thing that I have to master. So what that literally means for me is how to not take anything personally. Um, when someone, when I am fundraising, and someone calls me and tells me, "Love everything you're doing." but this is not a fit for me or call me back when you're raising your next fund or something like that. It's, it's easy for me to go into a deep hole of like, what's gonna happen? My life work is not being appreciated right now. These guys don't recognize how awesome I am. And you know, they'll know later, like when I'm so big, I'm never gonna let them in. Those kinds of emotions are natural, but they're useless. Um, honestly, if you distance yourself from that kind of decision into taking it personally into saying well no this is their this is one person's judgment and this is coming from a framework they've used and it, that may not be the framework you're pitching them and that and in fact it might be a good thing if this this match didn't happen today because it's you know you want to work with people that believe in you and vice versa so yeah it's a framework you have to continuously adapt it's not as easy but you have to keep using it, using that. And so as a founder, if you're fundraising, if you keep getting rejections, you have to realize what's your runway and and how to not take it personally. If you really believe that you're solving something big and important and you wanna just keep doing this, get get the right metrics going. But if the feedback is not related to metrics, but it's something else, don't take it so personally. I like the way you framed it, not taking it personally, which, which is a challenge for a lot of us, right? Because we take it too personally every time. And, yeah. you know, how do you isolate that layer of emotion? Um, you know, something that we all can continue to learn from each other. But tell me this, Shruti, 
as an Asian, as a woman of color, does that factor into the equation being in the venture capital landscape? Um, definitely, obviously. <laughs> I think um, being being a female, being a person of color, um, I would say there's two, again, two ways to look at it. Uh, uh, this is a problem and I can't get anywhere or this is a challenge and no, you know, speaking of women of color, uh, especially, you know, South Asian women running funds, I, I don't know that many uh, at our stage. I'm probably the only one running running an enterprise fund. Absolutely, so, and that's the reason we have you on the show. <laughs> thank you. Um, but but that is, a ch I mean, you. I could look at that and say, um, this, this is not for me. Uh, because there are, there's no role model per se in the industry around this. Or you could say, well, no, isn't that my someone's job? And why not my job to create that role model for someone and change the ratio? And as Gandhi says, the best be, be live the life and, and the message um, that you want others to kind of, you know, so like life is my, my life is my message basically is like what my motto is, right? So end of the day, that is that is what op that I, you know the fundamental kind of principles that I use to operate, um, but yeah, I mean you're again catching me on a great day, sunny day, uh, where we are talking, you know, you know, and and, uh, and having a very fun conversation. Um, there's obviously lots of ups and lots of downs, and I think being able to handle those downs are the strength uh, and the that a lot of people, the successful people have that I try to master every day. That's awesome. And I'm so glad we caught you on a picture perfect day in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Shruti. And I want to acknowledge one of our live listeners, Bernard Liang. Hi, Bernard, welcome to the show. And do drop in a question or a comment for Shruti as well, which will get answered. Hi, now, Bernard. I actually no, know Bernard, so that's great. <laughs> awesome. So Shruti, talk to us about Ari Ventures. How did it happen? And is there a story behind that name that you kind as well? You know, being a computer science professional. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you would understand. Yeah, uh, Array is the first data structure I really learned in my computer science class. And I invest in data companies, basically. Uh, so Array stores data. <laughs> and that was the name was very intuitive for me. Um, so Array Ventures invests first check into data-driven companies, enterprise companies that take advantage of data to solve big problems in various industries like FinTech, healthcare, things like that. So that was a name that kind of just struck the chord the right way for me. And um, the logo you see on my website is also created by me. Uh, I have no um, design creative background. So that was, <laughs> that was just a fun, you know, patch project uh, as as you start something new, those are some of the fun things that can make you happy uh, while there are other hard things you're tackling at that time. That's very true. So talk to us about uh, Adventure. You know, how do you how do you go about when you look when when you look at you know a founder or a startup who comes to you, what are three traits that you look for um, in them? And I want to get like the candid behind the scenes thinking that goes behind Shruti's mind. Whenever somebody's coming in pitching you and asking for funds, you know, um, funny thing is, 
there is a there is a lot. There are more technical things. We invest in technical founders, so that that's not that's either black and white, right? Like either you have the technical skills or you don't. Um, so that's but that's definitely one thing. The second thing we look for is um, your knowledge of the industry that you're solving the problem in. Um, because we invest in B two B companies, um, I like investing in founders that have experience in that space at, at least the tangential space right like if you're if your entire experience has been um in fintech and you come and want to solve something in healthcare there's a mismatch there so that's the second thing we look for the third thing we look for and that's actually three it's a big bucket is sales acumen we call it but what i mean by that is um ability to understand how to sell to customer um it's biggest thing right <clears throat> you don't have to have a sales job in the past but you have to show that you're excited about closing customers second the sales acumen also lends into um, closing new hires so attracting really amazing talent in your company um is takes a lot of work so that's a second piece and third, fundraising, selling to investors. Most, first, you know, that's without that, you don't have a business unless you're starting a non venture back business, which is okay. But having investors on, and, you know, doing that again and again, because that's your primary job. If you are on the venture track, you have to raise seed, pre seed, seed, series A, A, B, whatever, until IPO. So you have to keep raising money. Um, and if you don't have that sales, acumen to raise more money and you can't convince investor to back you doesn't doesn't help if you're like one of the best engineers from the top universities it does not matter so those three things combined for us are the third thing in the sales acumen um so i hope that's helpful absolutely now tell us this what are you doing personally to shift the needle so you can focus more on underrepresented startup founders or women or people of color especially Honestly, that's one of the biggest challenges in our industry. As I said, female founders are, the numbers are pretty, you know, bad. And um, last year, they said that in the pandemic year in 2020, the numbers went down even further. How is that possible? So um, the thing we have done so far that's well is over a third of our women, founders are women. In our in our portfolio, with over forty five companies, which is remarkably amazing for you know for a fund to generally have those kind of statistics, especially in the enterprise world. Um, but we don't want to stop there. Um, so we are looking for women founders that are solving problems in B two B data space. So please contact me if you are doing that. And then the the yeah, and then the. Uh, underrepresented founders, we actually started an initiative um, around that where we, we thoughtfully want to go out and back, um, you know, Black Latinx founders. Um, so please, if you are a founder, again, you know, that are, that is solving amazing problems in big data, AI, machine learning, um, B2B, and starting a B2B company, we write first checks into the company. So you haven't raise that much money before before our round. Um, and that is when you should contact me. Or if you're thinking of starting a company, 
uh, and you don't know how to go about doing that in the enterprise space, that's that's another um, you know uh, way to connect with us, especially through our office hours, which Priyanka, you're going to share down Absolutely. the road and later in the podcast. So, yeah, so I think that that we have another statistics we track as well, which is immigrant founders, and over sixty percent or or more of our founders are immigrant founders. Um, so I think that you know we everyone in the industry has to be diligent about these kinds of numbers and we have to be more mindful um as as some and as i said someone like me is given the power to be here so i can change the equation so I, you know i don't have the same biases and the same patterns that you know some other you know investor that doesn't look like me have and so we need more diversity at the GP level as well. Um, so that's that's where I'll stop, but definitely reach out to us because we definitely care about that. That's such great news to hear for a lot of underrepresented immigrant and women founders. So that's, I'm so glad you're championing a lot of us and creating a huge impact in the society. So thank you, Shruti, for doing that for us. Now, can you talk to us about a few of your latest investments through, through your funds? Uh, yeah, we have a company we recently invested in called Capsule. Um, and they help companies create short form videos. So today, short form videos actually um, create a higher conversion than photos. It takes five photos for someone to convert a, a user, but 85% of the users convert with just one video impression. So companies, big companies are beginning to realize that that is a need. Um, so that's why we invested in this company called Capsule. Capsule.video is the link. Um, and uh, definitely check them out. Another one of our companies that we recently invested in is uh, called um, Intentomatic. And that company actually um, helps you, give you, gives you like an SDR dashboard. So if you're in the B2B world, you'd know um, you know, the SD, that the, there is a big need for, you know, SDRs to help you create quality leads and then help you convert them. And SDR is a growing category of people that companies leverage on. But what does SDR stand for to some of our listeners? Sales development representative. So, um, you know, basically that is a, a growing important job. And, um, you know, if you're trying to get into tech, by the way, today, for any of you with non-tech backgrounds, I would explore SDR roles just to get a sense of um, the, the, you know, the, the need in a business and how sales actually ends up happening. So there's a lot of training, you know, just like there's training to become engineers, there's actually sales training uh, programs as well. And so I would definitely explore that. Uh, and and enroll in some of those just to kind of get because this is one of those jobs that can really help you um, accelerate your tech career uh, entry your tech career well unless you, unless you can go the engineering route. Um, very true. So that's that's uh, I mean uh, we can we can talk uh, more about some of our other investments. We have a investment in a company called Bloomera, and that's a security a company that that you know around automated threat detection and response space um so that's that's another one that you know i would definitely i'm pretty excited about but look 
having a portfolio company is like having children. You can't pick favorites. Um, but so these are some of our most recent ones that we've invested in. That's that's very amazing. We do have a question from Bernard. Uh, and let me just read it out to you. Under what circumstances might it make sense to pivot back to being a founder or operator where, while currently investing full time, given one has enough interest in doing so? Because it seems harder to give up their own fund with ongoing responsibilities and commitments. That's a great question. Um, I think there is like a calling oftentimes uh, to being a founder. You you either want to do it or you or you don't. Um, if you want people, if you have raised money to invest for as a fund manager, you have an obligation to see through your investments. And it's your fiduciary responsibility to make sure the companies, you know, are doing, you know, at least you're there for them to help them succeed. So it's really hard to always flip back and forth. In this current market, there's a lot of that happening today where people are doing almost like multiple jobs as a founder, as an investor. And the case being made is the founders see good deal flow, so they end up investing. But there is the expectation of a smaller check investor is not that high as as it is from someone who's basically leading deals and things like that. So I would say that if you plan to go back into the operating world, um, you know, I would make sure that the there are enough other smart people around the table helping those founders that if they reach out to you and you happen to not be available, um, then then you know. That's not the case, basically. Well, thanks for that question, uh, Bernard, as well. So Shruti, talk to us about exits. When do you decide it's time to exit out of your investments? I don't decide that. Founders decide that. Um, exits usually happen under big three scenarios, basically. Uh, there were used to be two, and now there's a third category that's coming up. So first is IPO. Um, generally, it takes about 12 years or so for a company, enterprise company to go public um, through the IPO route, which is, so for example, if you think of like Uber, Pinterest, et cetera, they, all, they were all born around this last recession of 2009-ish timeframe. And they happened to go public last year, around last year. So it takes that long, it takes at least 12 years. Um, some companies go public sooner, Square went public in six years, that's unusual. Um, but so that's generally the time frame you're looking for. So that's one exit route. The other, the second category is acquisition. Um, so now acquisitions, the idea is acquisitions happen because you don't, you can't go public maybe. So that's one big thinking around acquisitions. Um, oftentimes there's, you know, acquisitions happen on the way. So some that happen very early on, it's probably for like just acqu hires, which is talent acquisition, IP acquisition, something like that. It's not met, it's not a big return on that. Um, and then some people get fortunate um, if they if, because they choose to go that route, which is like I think like a good example is a company called App Dynamics, which was going to go public, and then the day it was going to go public was acquired um, for for about four billion or so. So I think that's another route but that's that that is you know the company and their preference at the time but again ipo acquisition and then the third is 
like a more popular thing that's coming up called SPACs. Um, and th those, those are growing and we don't know what that really means for the early investors yet. Uh, but that definitely is, I would say a third route that is up and coming for people to explore as well. And that's, a, and so that's, that's like instead of going IPO or, or public today, uh, or, or getting acquired today, you go through a SPAC route. So that's that's the three categories. But what do I decide that, or do founders? It's founders. Um, my job is to help the, the founders think through the next the phases and stages, and help them fundraise. But uh, but end of the day, the company is run by the founders, and they they are the C suite. Um, and the, you know, I, I'm not investing in founders that are looking for that much guidance from me on all these fronts. It's they have a dream, they have a vision, and they want to execute on that vision. So I'm funding them to enable that vision because I'm aligned with that, that vision. Um, I want to have a world down the road where their dreams come true. And I want to live in the world that they're whatever problem they're solving for exists. So um, now if they decide to get acquired early on, which some of our companies have, um, it's a, it's a it's a math it's a calculation you have to do at the time uh, as a founder to see why they're doing it and um, yeah and and should they keep going otherwise so again I just provide the data points and what what um, if they're missing something but it's their responsibility or their passion that kind of keeps them driving. Have there been any instances where you didn't want them to exit, but they did and it didn't turn out the way. They expected it, things like that. Mm, that is always the case. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that's always the case. What I mean by that is, um, you're all looking at different data, and there is sometimes data that you don't have, which is the founder's personal situation. So oftentimes, it's unclear. And you're unable to tell the founders what to do uh, because of their personal situation. It could be financial need because running a company is not, you know, it's it's really um, grueling, and and oftentimes no pay for years, right? So like very little pay for years. So it could be financial, financially motivating to sell. It could be, um, you know, life changes. Could be many other things. Um, end of the day, I believe in this philosophy that founders have to run their business. I cannot go run their business. So if if I'm not able to run their business, I can't tell them what to do other than just tell them how I feel about it, or at least show them, you know, the future that they're not seeing maybe. Oftentimes when you're in your bubble, you you lose track of what's happening in the market. That's an investor's job to show them just some things happening in the market that that they may find appealing or not, right? So I have a data point for them as well that they have to incorporate into their decision-making. Very true. And to our live listeners, I know a handful of them have continued to tune in. Do drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. And you always have the option to drop in any kind of question or comment because this is an Ask Me Anything session with, with our venture capitalist trailblazer woman, Shruti Gandhi. 
So Shruti, tell me this, what is one accomplishment that you're very proud of in your journey when you look back at the last 20 years? Um, that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, what is the one thing? You know, actually there's two, if it's okay. Go for it. When I came to the US, I was telling uh, you all that I did not know what college I was gonna even get into. I didn't even have SAT scores and my parents were like, figure it out. Um, and, you know, I, I basically, um, got myself admitted into college, um, and graduated in like two and a half years or so. But then, um, a few years down the road now, um, I, you know, ended up teaching a couple of years ago at, at a Ivy league school. Uh, so that was, I felt like a big accomplishment from not even knowing that, a even like a local university would accept me to teaching at uh, one of the top universities, Columbia. So I teach in their comp sci department sometimes. Um, and you went and for your master's at Columbia as well, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so that was that was great as that's well. Like yeah. a, a huge accomplishment, being a professor at the same school where you were a student. Yeah, especially knowing that I didn't even know if Columbia at that time would accept me or not. Um, so that was one. And then the other one is most recently um, in the same academic realm, I am now chosen to be a young distinguished, distinguished alumni. Um, I received that award from my business school, U Chicago this year, which is not announced yet. Thank you. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, you know, these universities, some of the top, Boot is one of the top business schools in the world. and. Um, you know, having again back to the twenty years ago when I didn't even know if I would get into like an undergrad school, local community college, um, to having these two top universities kind of recognize my initiatives and and so forth, it feels like an accomplishment. It's it's an, it feels fake to have to like seek those kinds of validations, but at the same time, it is something I'm proud of because I worked really hard to get to this point, and it seems like the in some ways universe and these and the, these kinds of places are recognizing all the hard work I'm putting together today. So that's those are the two I feel like um, I can at least brag to my parents about. Hey, that's amazing. And I'm so glad you told us all these, uh, you know, milestone accomplishments and the one that's coming up with uh, the young distinguished alumni. Well deserved, I should say, Shruti. Congratulations again on that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let me ask you this as well. You've seen several successes in life, uh, be it with your education, your career, your investment funds. But how do you handle low moments in your life? I know you don't take it too personally, but what's the thought process like when you see a situation that's totally out of control? Um, so, OK, I shouldn't say I don't take everything. Per it's not an overnight thing. But there is a book um, that in some of my low moments I, I read. It's called The Four Agreements. Um, and that book is a really good framework for me to, you know, the, one of the things that has come out of there is don't take things personally, don't assume things, you know, from people. Um, but th those are some of the, the, the ways I, you know, I, I, I read, I talk to people, I talk to other, um, people that I feel like I respect at the time. I don't, I don't, you know, even if my tendency might be to just you know go into a cocoon and 
and not really share this with others. I try to actually be more open-minded and share and more transparent with other people. Because here's the thing, what you're going through is not that unusual. With many other people, maybe they don't have the exact same problems in life as you do, but they have some other similar problems. And if you can learn from them, you can avoid spending years um, on that failure. So I think talking to a lot of people really helps. Um, and then I would say that I try to transfer that energy into something positive. If I feel like I received a rejection from someone, I take that rejection and fuel it into five other people I should reach out to um, and open and try to open more doors for myself. And you know, fueling that and tunneling that energy into something else is valuable than just sitting and moping about something. Um, because what's moping gonna get me, right? Like I'm gonna feel sorry for myself and I'm gonna just go try to find other excuses to validate myself in that in that state. But because I wanna get into the, the green state again, what else do I need to do to get into that green state from the current red or yellow state I'm in? So yeah, I think that's how I think about some of handling some of the situations when I'm in a, my low moments. I like the way where you color code the signals. You know, so you're actually labeling your emotions, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, the book Four Agreements as well. And Susan David, who's an emotional, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, psychologist who talks a lot about how do you sit with your emotions, label them, and then get back to work. So you acknowledge them and then you look at what's the action step. So thanks for sharing the framework, which is something that our listeners love to learn from our guests as well. You know, one important aspect of your career when I look at it is mentorship. Uh, I know there are, uh, you know, it's opened up several doors for you when you uh, were at IBM as a software engineer, all the way as a venture capitalist. How important would you rate mentorship in your career, and what are you doing to mentor others around you to bring them to where you are today? Actually, mentorship is a funny word. I don't think uh, I've had two mentors in my IBM days, but they, I look at them as more skill mentors versus life mentors per se, right? Um, it's a funny word because it almost requires a lot of commitment on two people's parts. But the way I look at mentorship is around problem solving. I have a problem today and it could be as, you know, as a new fund manager, even though you're in venture, there are so many other questions you may have. And you're in, you end up in situations that are so unusual Oftentimes, someone who's experienced, you know, can, can has seen that many other times. So the way I think about mentorship is who can I call for that problem solving at that time? And building that kind of a relationship. I'm not looking at, because I don't know I'm going to encounter this problem. I'm not looking for a quarterly meeting uh, or something like that for, or, any, or, or any kind of regularity from any of these you know other people that I that I would consider a mentor but mentor but but I think for me it's that around this problem that I need to get solved and who should I call and then that person automatically becomes a mentor for that bubbled problem at that time so I think if I were to take a step back um, my belief is smart people know how to define problems because most of our lives were handed problems. You know, you grow up and there's an algebra problem. You grow, right, like 
you grow up and you have a proper defined college, you know, entry problem. There's th things are mostly defined for the first 20, 25 years of our, of our lives. I mean, you know, at least in terms of the tracks you want to take. Um, but the problem starts where the, the interesting things happen once you start defining that problem sort of like, okay, well, I, I want to be in this degree. Well, why? And then in defining that into uh, what do I want to do next? Why do I want to pick this career? Um, and, and kind of like defining your problems in different ways that can then lead to uh, you calling, making outbound call for help from someone or reading up on things, reading up on papers, blogs, whatever it is, right? Like, or, or trying to find um, uh, folks in the industry um, for whatever problems you have. So that's how I think about mentorship. There are so many people that have helped me along the journey. I think there's a Twitter thread I wrote about that as well. Um, and you know, you're welcome to refer to that that thread as well. Um, that Priyanka, you can maybe add to that. But in that, we, we, you know, I've referred to so many people that have helped me throughout the journey. But I think it's not because they were sitting there saying, "Shruti, whatever you need, I'm here." I don't think, in fact, anyone's really ever kind of said in that in that fashion. But what I have had is people saying, "She called me, and I'm I'm going to take that call and." And if she and if I define the problem the right way, they're going to help me answer that problem the right way. And I think that's that the problem definition becomes so important to bring to any mentor. Um, and 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 it, and it could be a more technical problem, as I mentioned, about like how do you do this for your fund or what's your you know back office manager. It could be any specific thing, or it could be as big as I was thinking about uh, you know my journey in in venture. And how about me starting a fund? And here's my reasoning around it. And here's my reasoning as to why I shouldn't do it, right? So I think it's like definition of that in, in clarity in your own thinking that will help you get as much as help as you want from people you want to get mentorship from. And so I think if I may extract it a little bit further out, there are often people reaching out to me for help over email and, and any other medium. And their first thing is, can I get on a call with you for 15 minutes? And I think that doesn't lead to anything productive for anyone. You have to remember important people have very busy schedules and everyone wants to really help you. But if you can just define the problem and do the critical thinking upfront a little bit, to say, here's what I want to help with. And here's what I'm going to pose to this person that I'm reaching out to something. I think the world will come together and, and band together to help you with, with that specific thing. Um, so that's what I would just encourage people to do a little bit more of, which is define the problem a little bit more to get help from people you need, you, that you want help from when you reach out to them. That's a great way of looking at mentoring. And this is the first time I've, I've heard a different definition in terms of you know, defining your problem clearly, having the clarity of thought, and then the universe opens up to help you find the right person who can help you think it through. So thank you for sharing that. And I think your office hours are a great way for a lot of our listeners. If they are startup founders or looking at, uh, you know, being part of the venture capital field, I would highly encourage all our listeners to go ahead and touch base with Shruti once we post that episode link. So Shruti, let me ask you this. At age 17, 
when you came to the US as an immigrant trying to carve your future and now here you are as a young distinguished alum and uh, an amazing woman in the field of venture capital what is one advice you would give to your younger self when you look back um what's the one advice i would give um you know don't don't be afraid um give it a shot um i would say that that kind of that mantra keeps me going every day um, that's awesome yeah i think just what what's the what's the worst thing you can happen that can happen right people say no and how to take that no in and i think we we talked about that the how i process try to process the no's anyway uh but yeah don't stop keep keep going keep believing in yourself just do it all the all the amazing slogans from all the top brands i believe in them <laughs> yeah that's very true i'm 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 quite sure they've tried and tested the the logic and the narrative behind all these different ah. slogans so we have a fun rapid fire round for you are you ready for it yeah i'm excited so you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when i say the following and in one word how do you define success uh, i think we're not hearing you well shruti Yeah I think we lost you again. Um if you want to put back your bluetooth headphones. Let's see if we can connect back. Hi Shruti, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yes, we can. So, a quick fun rapid fire round. How do you define success? A uh, success is if I my the day I'm living today is better than the day before. What does happiness mean to you? unachievable what's one fun thing about shruti that's exclusive to our listeners oh that's fun um if you have a fun recipe that i should try out uh please send it my way in my free time i'm cooking and uh creating fun recipes trying to replicate things i eat outside at restaurants pretty cool i'll see if i can send you one <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it Huh. My native language is Gujarati. Um it's it's part it's a region in India. Um and what's the one word that I can describe in that language? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a good maybe one to in, think about. Maybe in English? Do you have a word that you would describe yourself in? I don't know if it's a description more than there's a word in Jewish called chutzpah. Um and it's it's oftentimes in english it sometimes is also the x factor or like people just you know what the super superpower i think and i think that that's the generally um the that's how i feel like i have something that i uh that i spark a lot of energy and positivity in people and and i think that helps me uh as well do better every day well you rightly said that that brings us to the end of this episode shruti you've been such an amazing guest and i've learned a lot in terms of my takeaways in this episode is you know the way in which you process your emotions and the logic uh, having that clarity of thought you know that's very critical so that's my first takeaway and the second takeaway is having this revolving set of mentors who can help you 
think through things uh, where you, you might not be able to do frequent cash ups, but you know when to reach out to them. Do you have any parting thoughts to our listeners before we wrap up? Um, thank you so much for having me here. Um, you know, definitely, I, I think you've asked some really amazing questions here that, you know, I often feel like people just stay true to the, the fund and the narrative. But here, you, as you said, you've talked more about the emotions around the journey that I've taken. And I think that is really valuable um, to be able to uh, uncover that from, from, a, from a guest. So thank you uh, for making that happen. And uh, definitely everyone, I'm, I'm excited to listen to some of your other speakers and see what they have to say. Uh, but follow me as well on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Shruti and also follow me on LinkedIn and, and at Ray Ventures on LinkedIn as well um, to learn more about our investments or if you have any questions around startups. We also have a Substack um, newsletter that is Shruti Gandhi uh, at Substack, you know, at substack.com basically. So thanks for having me and uh, thanks for asking such amazing questions. Thank you so much, Shruti. So that was Shruti Gandhi on our 87th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, innovators who provide candid insights from their personal journey to inspire you. So do follow Shruti on Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Ari Ventures as well to continue to stay inspired on what's happening in the field of venture capital, AI, and big data. And continue subscribing to us by following me, Priyanka Komla, and the Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn Live notifications. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do give us a like and a subscribe. For our podcast platform listeners, do give us a like and subscribe so we know how this episode has helped you become a better version of yourself. Until our next episode, which is going to happen next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, this is your host, Priyanka Kumla, signing off. And thank you so much, Shruti, for your wonderful wisdom and for making up, uh, uh, for helping us understand the field of venture capital in such an authentic and candid way. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me again. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you.